You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to another episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. CJ Palmisano here. I am your host. And Ground Jewel happened yesterday, and it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. But there were no silly bullshit shenanigans and ridiculous bookings. You know, it just, it was a show. Um, I will first and foremost say that I didn't watch this show because I never do. I posted predictions on our Twitter at TNAWP and I requoted that tweet and I said nothing ever nothing good ever happens at these shows is to the degree of what I said. If I can get the pull the exact tweet out and read what I said word for word would be nice. So what I said uh, when I quoted my uh, quoted my tweet my predictions I said um, don't expect anything good from good from these shows because they're they never happen. The predictions I gave were Big E, Roman Reigns, Becky Lynch, RK Bro, Edge, Goldberg, Selena Vega, Finn Balor, and Mansoor. Now I was right on every single prediction except for King of the Ring. Um now I will first I'll say that I look at the results, and I, I was checking throughout the day because I was at work. I, I, I'm at my day job, so I couldn't be watching the show. But I'm watching. I'm just like, hmm, I'd expect some silly bullshit to happen right now. You know, like Shane McMahon winning the best in the world tournament to crown the best wrestler in the world. You know, Brock Lesnar winning the Universal Championship when it should have been Braun Strowman after Roman Reigns went to go get treated for leukemia. Uh, you know, Goldberg and Undertaker having what they called a match <laughs> nearly nearly uh, uh nearly concussing and breaking undertaker's neck goldberg um goldberg not winning a world championship in saudi arabia you know after he squashed the fiend and ruined pretty much ruined his character um it, from what i saw it, it seemed like for the most part it was a show nothing bad happened nothing really great happened it was just a show and it was a glorified house show and we'll get into the results here um i'm just gonna go off how i feel about the results because i may or may not watch the show back maybe a couple matches um edge beating seth rollins and hell in a cell that was the opener uh with a curb stomp onto the steel chair um this was good this was one of the better feuds that we've had this year edge and rollins and it was my dream match it was my number one dream match for the top 10 edge dream match list if you haven't heard that episode go back in the podcast archives and listen to that um overall edge and seth rollins have had great chemistry together uh this is a nice little cap on the feud uh you know naturally hell in a cell i like this so uh yeah and if I recall, I don't think we've seen a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view this year. Usually it's around this time in October, and I don't think we had a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view this year. I know we had one last year. Uh, Mansoor beat Mustafa Ali, and after the match, Ali attacks Mansoor, but a masked man makes a save, and it's revealed to be Targeg Hamadi. Uh, apparently, uh, eh, I, I, I don't know. 
we 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 don't know who I don't know, but the Saudi crowd did. Apparently, the crowd was hot. Um, RK Bro beat uh, Omos and AJ Styles to retain the tag team titles. And I'm seeing a meme here where it says, Rusev, I drove a tank to the ring. Riddle, hold my blunt. And he's he's riding a giant. He's riding a camel. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's, that's, that's funny. That's really funny. Okay. I'm saving that meme into my, my pictures. That's, that's hilarious. Okay. Um, Zelina Vango beat Dewdrop for the Queen's Crown Tournament. Uh, honestly, that makes sense to me because it should necess- it, it should really benefit a heel gimmick, and I think Selena Vega would do well with this character. Um, plus, she's been booked so poorly since her return to WWE. Uh, it's just nice to see. Uh, Bill Goldberg beat Bobby Lashley in a no-holds-barred falls count... No holds barred falls count anywhere match. Um... I expected Goldberg to win because, you know, it's Goldberg and you need at least one part-time guy to go over in this Saudi money thing. Um, now, I'm going to spend some time with this one, and I'm really going to need to go uh, to go back and rewatch this. I had predicted Finn Balor to win. I thought maybe Finn Balor would win, and this would be our crushing hopes and dreams thing. Of this pay per view, of like this is the this is the one where everyone's like, oh, Woods for King of the Ring, and Woods, and you know, and, and Xavier Woods has wanted this forever since he was a kid. He's put it out there, you know. Um, I'm just really happy to see that he's won it. He's won the King of the Ring tournament. Apparently, this is something he's wanted more than becoming WWE champion or world champion. And props to the guy. I'm really happy for him. I, I'm so glad to be wrong about this. I really am so glad to be wrong, and that Xavier Woods is king of the ring, and he will do tremendous stuff with this gimmick. Um, he'll have a lot of fun with it. Just a nice little thing of layer to add to the New Day's success. And Xavier Woods, man, he's an underrated guy. Um, I'm happy for the guy. I might actually watch this Saudi show back. Who knows? Excuse me, burping into the microphone. Uh, um. Big E beat Drew McIntyre to retain the WWE Championship. That makes sense, considering Drew's going over to SmackDown. Um, Becky Lynch beat Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair in a triple threat match to retain the SmackDown Women's title. Um, that made sense to me because they're probably just going to do the old swapping of the titles between Becky and Charlotte. So probably come SmackDown tomorrow, or today I should say, or Raw on Monday. Uh, they, they'll probably just swap the titles because I didn't see anything like that. I, what I don't get is you had an opportunity to, to put the raw title on Bianca and give her a reason for the title to stay on raw, but you still have Charlotte win. Well, Bianca win by DQ. That was a ridiculous booking decision. I don't understand. And Roman Reigns beat, uh, Brock Lesnar retained the universal title with some help from the Usos and hitting Brock Lesnar with the title. So, um, I'll probably have to go back and watch this show, at least a few matches here and there. Um, one thing that, I mean, the whole Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar thing, this is definitely not over. I think reports were saying a little while back that this is going to be the feud going into WrestleMania, whether Brock wins the Rumble or whoever. I don't think Brock should win the Rumble. I think he should just, like, you know, be like, I want that, and then okay, Brock, you you can have that match. Here's some money, uh, and you know, just just do something of that of that ilk. 
Overall, though, from what I see, that there's, I mean, this is probably the best Saudi Arabia show that we've seen since the beginning of this shit. You know, we didn't, again, we didn't see any ridiculous, uh, over-the-top swerve bookings. We didn't see new stars uh, beaten so badly that it ruins their, their character. And I, I, I don't think Goldberg losing to, uh, well, Bobby Lashley, I should say, losing to Goldberg necessarily hurts Bobby. I know Goldberg can go off and fuck off with his money, and Bobby can, you know, maybe Bobby can challenge for the for the title. He hasn't he hasn't gotten his rematch, he, or uh, unless they get, did away with rematch clauses. I don't know, but, you know, move on to somebody else. You know, there, there's a lot of other guys on the roster. You know, I would say, you know, build Bobby Lashley back up to a certain degree. I mean, we got new guys coming in. Um, Apollo, eh, Apollo, I don't know, not Apollo Cruz, but, but maybe maybe Lashley could challenge Damian Priest for the U.S. title. Maybe you could start a feud with uh, with Finn Balor or with uh, Keith Lee, or should I say, just Bearcat Lee? Because apparently now he's Bearcat Lee, no longer Keith Lee. Oh, fuck. Anyway, um, yeah, you could do that. Uh, Bobby Lashley could maybe start a feud with. May I almost said Matt Riddle, but they kind of dropped that. Uh, Kevin Owens and Bobby Lashley would be interesting, considering Kevin Owens is back on Raw. Uh, that would be, and Owens is still a babyface, so that'd be nice. Yeah, I uh, just Bobby was one of the big highlights of last year and earlier this year as WWE champion or U.S. champion, the Hurt Business. It was really the thing that was carrying the pandemic era of Raw, and I just I think he deserves to have a decent run and just make the guy still look good, you know? Um, but yeah, overall though, this show, I think it's probably worth going back and watching. Uh, if any of you guys want to tell me that it is, let me know, uh, at Twitter at T on Twitter at TNAWP or on Twitter at CJ underscore 1214 or on Instagram at CJ underscore 1293. I'm done plugging. I promise. I'm just going to go back to the wrestling now. <laughs> Um, what else that happened? I mean, it's nice that Undertaker didn't show up. For some reason, he was in Saudi Arabia, and he introduced Pitbull, of all people, <laughs> to the ring in his full Undertaker gear. Uh, that was just a very weird... So it made me think he was just going to show up at some point, uh, and just... I, I don't know. Um, one thing we're going to talk about real quickly is, uh, PWI, Pro Wrestling Illustrated... They have released their top 10 Pro Wrestling Illustrative for 2021 for the women. So, let me tell you who the top 10 are. Coming in number 10, Raquel Gonzalez. Number 9, Tam Nakano. Now, I don't know some of these women, so I might butcher their names. Io Shirai, Siri. Uh, Io Shirai. At, uh, let's start this over. Raquel Gonzalez at 10. Tam Nakano. Uh, Nakano at 9, 8 Io Shirai, 7 Siri, 6 Sasha Banks, 5 Thunder Rosa, uh, 4 Britt Baker, 3 Diana Perrazzo, 2 uh, Utami Hashitia, if I pronounce that correctly, and number 1 Bianca Belair. Um, considering the other names that I'm not too aware of, this is a pretty decent list. Um... Bianca, I think, absolutely should be number one. She's booked really well. She's uh, She may have been WrestleMania this year. She won the title. 
She held it for a decent amount of time. She's still treated like a total star. So Bianca is definitely the woman that they're wanting to build the, the, the women's division around. So she absolutely deserves it. Uh, Utami Hashiyit. I'm sorry. I'm just going to call her Utami. I don't know her work. Um, probably over in stardom. She may, judging by this, she's probably the best female wrestler in stardom. Maybe the champion. I don't know. Um, good for her. Uh, but Deanna Perrazzo, uh, absolutely. Yeah, for anybody who's been listening to this podcast, I am a big fan of Deanna Perrazzo and her work. I think that you know she is uh, multiple-time knockouts women's champion, the current knockouts champion, and the current AAA women's champion. Um, she's been doing a tremendous job ever since being released from WWE last year and just killing it on Impact. Um I'm I'm a little su- I'm surprised that Britt Britt Baker was number four in this whole thing, uh, and Deanna was before her, but I guess with just what I said, you know, Deanna Perrazzo is a double champion, and you know Britt is only the AEW Women's Champion, so I could see that, you know, the, the matches that both that you know the both of them had this year, you know, classic like Thunder Rosa being on this list as well. Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa having that lights out match, you know, Deanna Perrazzo, uh soon to be going up against uh, Mickey James, uh, having classic matches with uh, with Jordan Grace, uh, just you know, kayfabe. Deanna Perrazzo has accomplished a lot, and I guess being a double women's champion in professional wrestling right now is going to bump you up in the list. So. This is a pretty decent list. Um, I like it. And Bianca Belair makes total sense to be the number one uh, number one in the uh, in this whole PWI uh, top 100 for the women. Um, moving on to a couple of the news stories that happened this week. Uh, New Japan. Going to talk touch about New Japan for a little bit. First, we're going to talk about some good news. Katsuyori Shibata. He came out of retirement and faced Zack Sabre Jr. in a five minute exhibition. Shibata grabs a mic and announces next time he gets in the ring, it'll be for a match. This is great. For those of you who may be unfamiliar with Shibata, uh, he was just one of the workhorses in New Japan back, uh, uh, I almost said back in the day, uh, about, you know, like five, six years ago. He had a brutal match with Okada where he hit this nasty headbutt, this loud thud, and he always did this headbutt, like, forever, and it just, you know, he nothing ever really came of it. He hit this headbutt, he got concussed so bad, his head was profusely bleeding, and it was the match that where he had to retire. Now, he's coming out of retirement, and it seems like he's healed enough. This is great, man, because we've seen a lot of wrestlers in, in very recent memory being able to come out of retirement. Shibata now, we've seen Edge... You know, we've seen Daniel Bryan and, uh, you know, just and wrestlers that, you know, we thought were never going to wrestle again. Just those alone. Now it's staying as well. You know, now it's it's um, when someone says it's like, oh, you'll never wrestle again. You kind of take it with a grain of salt these days because who knows when they could come back, especially if they were at a relatively younger age when they had to retire. In Sting's case, it's like, I mean, the guy's over 60 years old and he's still wrestling but you know in smaller doses so I'm happy for Shibata to come back especially it could really breathe a lot of life into the New Japan roster considering how a lot of guys can't come in from from out out of the out of the uh, the country 
So it'll be nice to see. Um, so happy for Jamada. But unfortunately, we have to go with some with some sad news. Not so great news here. Uh, the G1 Climax uh, was between Kota Ibushi and Kazuchika Okada. Uh, Okada had defeated Ibushi to win the Climax, but it was due to ref stoppage after Ibushi injured himself doing a Phoenix Splash. Okada will now go to challenge uh, at Wrestle Kingdom for the IWGP World title. This is really sad, man. This is really, really sad because Ibushi, he is... He's like my favorite Japanese wrestler, um, you know. Between him and Will Ospreay, you know, they're my two favorites, and I just feel so bad for him. You know, I don't know if he was supposed to win. I don't know if Okada was supposed to win, but you know, the G one, the G one tournament in general is just a big. It's it's a it's a time where a lot of match of the year contenders can happen. Especially in the climax, you know, we've seen a lot of classic matches in the climax, you know, like uh, Tetsuya Naito and Kenny Omega from a few years ago when when Naito won the won the G one and he went to go uh, face Omega later that uh, sorry Okada later in Wrestle Kingdom I think that was Wrestle Kingdom thirteen whatever the one where Jericho showed up that's where uh, Naito won, um, you know we've seen Ibushi win it a couple times in a row Omega uh, we we've seen. Uh, you know, really classic matches in there. You know, we saw a great match between John Moxley and Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, there, we've seen uh, Sonata and Kota Ibushi. You know, uh, Kenny Omega and Okada. Three was in the G1. You know, there's a lot of potential match of the year candidates, and this is probably going to be nothing short of amazing had this injury not happened. Again, I'm basing this off of, of news that I've seen. I did not watch the G1 this year. I did not see the finals. I haven't seen really a whole lot of New Japan at all this year. I only just recently started. I, I saw the match where Osprey won the title from Ibushi, and I've been trying to watch uh, wrestling Don Taku between Osprey and Shingo Takagi. Uh, but this is really bad, man. You know, I'm, let's hope that and pray that uh, Ibushi's condition isn't too serious. Let's hope he's if he's injured. If he's injured, let's hope he's not out for too long. So we here wish Kota Ibushi a speedy, speedy recovery, a speedy and healthy recovery coming back to the ring. It sucks, man. It really does. And New Japan, unfortunately, has just they've taken such a huge hit because of this pandemic. Like I said, you know they haven't been able to have a whole lot of guys come in. You know that's why Osprey is working these U.S. shows, and uh, it's. It's it's rough, you know. It's it's really really rough. Um, but we'll see how things eventually. We'll get out of this hole, and and New Japan they'll find their stride again, man. Once guys from from Japan can start coming, who live in Japan can start coming over to the states. You know, we can start having some new proper New Japan shows in the states again. We can you know have AEW dream matches. You know, Ibushi versus Omega is one, and then Okada versus Omega again is another. Naito, you know, just there's a lot of guys. Danielson, uh, face, Brian Danielson facing off against guys like Okada or Naito or Ibushi. Um, part, you know, uh, CM Punk versus Okada is another one. Uh, Will Ospreay getting into the mix, but um, just it'd be really nice. And real quickly though, speaking of New Japan and AEW. I know this was a week ago, a week ago today, and I released this podcast on Friday, so I just want to talk about this for a little while. Fucking Brian Danielson and Minoru Suzuki having a 
banger of a match, having, in my opinion, one of the best matches of the year. You know, I'm like currently right now. I'm I've been compiling my best matches of the year. You know, and you could probably uh, take a gander as to what matches I put on this list. You know, as the match, and I'll and I'll and I'll say this and say that these are matches that I've seen. Okay, um, I I do plan later this year to make a podcast episode with my top ten greatest matches of 2021. Um, I wanted to do it last year, but I felt like given the circumstances of what happened over the year, there really weren't that many matches where I felt like could be in the spot, just given the circumstances of the pandemic, only a handful. But with this year, you know, there's a lot of matches that we've seen. We, we you know, we, you know, for one, you know, Ray Phoenix versus uh, Kenny Omega, the uh, New Year's show they did earlier this year was, uh, you guys might have forgotten about that one. That's an underrated classic. Um you know, Kota Bushi versus Will Ospreay, another one, a secure Genesis. Bianca Belair, Sasha Banks, WrestleMania Night 1. You know, got a lot of stuff in here. And, you know, and there's, and spoilers, a lot of Kenny Omega in here, too. You know, the, the triple threat from uh, Double or Nothing between him, Pack, and Orange Cassidy. Um, but I, I, I was watching this match. I was watching it earlier this week. I think I was watching it on Monday or Tuesday, whatever it was. And I'm watching it, and I'm just like, man, this this is just so fucking good. This is just, like, I love what they're doing with Minoru Suzuki in AEW. Um, it, it sucks that he hasn't won a match yet, but overall, he's having, but he's having great matches though. You know, the the one with him and Moxley was fun. Uh, the one with Lance Archer and Moxley against uh, Lance Archer and uh, Suzuki. Um. Versus uh, Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, I almost forgot who they're facing at the the uh, Rampage show in Arthur Ashe Stadium. That was good too, but I would have to say this is Suzuki's best match in AEW so far, and this is one of Brian Danielson's best. Like it's this and Omega are his two best matches he's had uh, in AEW and this year. Just like Brian Danielson has, has just had so many has had some classic match has been a part of some classic matches. You know, Edge versus Roman versus Daniel Bryan, and then Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns at the end of SmackDown. Um, that match between Bryan and and Roman, probably the greatest Thunderdome era WWE match that happened while the Thunderdome was still going on. I, I think you could you could agree, you could disagree with me, but I think it's probably the best match that happened. Um, but getting back to Minoru Suzuki and uh, Bryan Danielson. Just, you know, chops and kicks and fucking smacks, at, you know, elbow strikes. Just Danielson, this is the taste of Brian Danielson facing off against New Japan guys. And it just makes me want to see him get in the ring with more New Japan guys. It makes me want to see him get in the ring with Okada and Naito, Will Ospreay, Jay White, uh, Tomohiro Ishii, you know, Jeff Cobb is another one, you know, uh, Shingo Takagi. Uh, if I said, I believe I said Kota Ibushi, you know, probably said it already. Uh, you know, there's so many guys, you know, El Fantasma, Robbie Eagles, uh, just a lot of guys in New Japan that I just want to see Brian Danielson have matches with. You know, we've seen, uh, we we've seen Minoru Suzuki. Now, when the when this shit starts happening, 
I'm hell, fuck it. Shibata. Shibata against Brian Danielson would be amazing. Just this was just one of the best things on AEW this year. For sure the best rampage match. And here's the best part about this. Like the best part about this is that AEW was doing this to combat against SmackDown because SmackDown was on FS1 last week and Rampage was on its regular time slot at TNT. But what they did is that they did a buy-in on YouTube for free. Like this this is like you don't even have to have cable to to watch this match. You don't have to have cable. You can you could have just gone on your phone or your computer if you have access to the internet, just you could just watch it. One of my favorite parts about this match wasn't even necessarily what happened in the match. It's what happened on commentary. Taz just saying something. I, I was texting Sean about this the other day because when I was catching up on it. I'm going to try and find the... Yeah, I, I have it here. I texted Sean this. I said, I'm finally getting to watch Suzuki versus Danielson from Friday. And Taz goes, and I quote, If you are watching TV and not watching this on YouTube, you are a dumbass. <laughs> like... Pretty much saying, if if you're watching WWE right now and you're missing this, you are a dumbass. And you know what? I gotta agree with him. That that like that free on YouTube. Like that's that's first of all, that's a dynamite worthy match. That's like, you know, regular TV time rampage worthy. That is a pay-per-view. That is a New Japan or AEW pay-per-view worthy match, and they gave it to us for free on the internet. Like you you can't beat that, honestly. So I guess we'll get a little bit into this whole SmackDown versus AEW, Rampage versus, AEW, uh, versus <laughs> Rampage versus SmackDown, WWE versus AEW whole thing. So, um, like I said, SmackDown was on Fox last week, and sorry, FS1. You know, with the uh, MLB World Series going on right now, um, th- I mean, don't, WWE did everything they could to make sure you watch SmackDown FS1. You know, making the Roman Reigns Brock Lesnar segment completely commercial free and what was crazy is that Ruby Soho and the Bunny beat WWE beat SmackDown for the overall 18 to 49 demographic I believe and what was funny is how MJ had this interview recently on Barstow Sports and he's like talking about Roman Reigns and saying like Ruby Soho beat the Brock Lesnar Roman Reigns segment and Ruby Soho sucks. <laughs> Ruby, Ruby Soho does not suck, Maxwell. She is fantastic. Um, but that does go to show that people were more interested in watching AEW than they were watching SmackDown. And they pulled out all the stops to make sure that you watch SmackDown. I, I just props to AEW, man. This is the thing that I'm talking about. This is the thing that AEW is becoming real competition, okay? Regardless of, oh, well, they weren't on Fox, and if they were on Fox doing this, they would have, you know, they they would have beaten AEW. And maybe you're right, because Rampage's numbers haven't been great. In the overall ratings, I think SmackDown beat Rampage, but the thing that people really care about, that executives really care about these days, are the 18 to 49 demographic. The amount of adults who are watching TV, who are watching professional wrestling. That is what people care about these days. And AEW have been winning in that demographic for a very, very long time now. 
because they have a wrestling product where I can just sit down, enjoy it, and I don't have to question myself as to why I'm a wrestling fan. I don't have to question myself as to, oh, God, why do I bother with this shit? No, I sit down and watch AEW, and I'm like, oh, God, I love being a wrestling fan. Minoru Suzuki versus Brian Danielson? Wow. Oh, oh man, CM Punk versus is back versus, versus Daniel Garcia? Wow. You know, it's it's... It is a thing where it's refreshing to be a wrestling fan again, to be proud to be a wrestling fan again, and overall just to be like, yeah, I'm a wrestling fan, and I love it, and and I do. I love being a wrestling fan again thanks to AEW, and Tony Khan is very proud of himself, as he should be. The man is running arguably – he's running the second biggest wrestling company in the world – I won't say the the biggest because WWE is still the biggest. When you think of professional wrestling, you still think WWE. But I would say the best company overall, for sure the best company overall as far as a product, weekly wrestling television, match quality, it's AEW these days. AEW is the best. Which which is kind of strange when Eric, you know, Eric Bischoff tells Tony uh, Tony Khan to shut the fuck up and focus on wrestling. When, you know, and stop worrying about going head to head. When I'm sorry, Eric, what weren't you doing that for like a few, like you know, good number of years in WWF and talking shit about WWF on Nitro live on Nitro and spoiling results of the of the tape raws that were going on. You know, telling Tony, to, dude, these guys are they know what they're doing. They're smart. It's Tony Khan may be a very over-eccentric person, and he may be... But but the thing is, he's very passionate about his product. He's very passionate about pro wrestling. And that is clear as day when I watch AEW. I don't think Vince McMahon has been passionate about wrestling in a very, very long time. I don't know if the passion was ever really there... Except when he had his back to the wall and he had competition. Jim Ross recently said, I think in an interview, I saw a quote somewhere. But he said that Vince works the best under pressure. Vince, when you have competition with him, it brings out the... And that is it. Competition brings out the best in you. So what I don't get is, uh, why, why does it have to be that? AEW wants to be the best wrestling company before all this, you know, when they came in, we're going to, you know, we're starting a revolution. We're starting to, you know, to help those laps fans to bring them in. And we want to bring a wrestling product that the fans can enjoy, which is something they've done. So it just makes no sense to me that WWE get complacent. Personally, I I mean, you got to put out your best stuff regardless, because, it, we all we all remember the CM Punk pipe bomb promo. We all remember when he just he said, you know, uh, Vince McMahon's gonna make money despite himself. I'm a spoke on the wheel, and the wheel's just gonna keep turning regardless of what happens. Paraphrasing the quote, uh, what he said there, but he's right. After all these years, CM Punk just he predicted what was gonna be happening. All this, all the shit that happened when he when he eventually left pro wrestling. So. I want WWE to be good because they have the talent there. They have some of the best wrestlers, you know. I mean, Roman Reigns is the obviously obviously the best one. Big E getting this big push as champion. You know, you have Finn Balor. You still have AJ Styles, but you're, you're having him dick around with Omos. 
Uh, I mean, eventually, I'm sure they're going to do a match with him. You know, you have Matt Riddle. Uh, you have Keith Lee. He's Keith Lee, not Bearcat. And, and I know the Bearcat is also... Bearcat is also a, a um, an homage to, I think, one of his trainers or a wrestler. Someone with the name Bearcat back in the day. I'm, from, I'm not familiar with the wrestler's name, but I don't like the whole Keith... Bear, the whole Bearcat thing instead of Keith. I, I could deal with Keith Bearcat Lee. I could, but I don't like just Bearcat Lee. Anyway, you know, you have a lot of great wrestlers there. You know, you, you have Sasha Banks, you have Bailey, you have Charlotte Flair, you have Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, you have Ricochet. You, 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 uh, I mentioned Matt Riddle already. You know, uh, Cedric Alexander is another great talent. You know, we get a lot of great talent in the roster. You know, Damian Priest is U.S. champion. You know, you're, they are doing some good things. You know, you know Drew and Cesaro, the the Usos is a tag team. You know, Sami Zayn is always uh, is always entertaining. Uh, uh, Sheamus, uh, I should say, I won't say Nakamura, but Nakamura's yeah, Nakamura's Nakamura, and, and that's sad to say because he's he's a legend. Um, you know, Shayna Baszler, and, and you know Sheamus been on a pretty decent run the past couple of years, coming back into it. You know, hit row, man. Like, and then you got these other great guys and girls in NXT. You know, like Braun Breaker, who they're definitely gonna put the title on next week. I'm, I'm gonna say that right now. Carmelo Hayes is the, is the you know uh, North American champion. Champa is the NXT champion, and you know you have a lot of great guys. Obviously, we still have Samoa Joe and Kyle O'Reilly, Kushida, and Johnny Gargano on on that list. Pete Dunne's still down there. Roderick Strong is, is the cruiserweight champion. Uh, there's a lot of great crop of talent in the company. It's just you gotta make us care. You gotta make us. You gotta make it like you have to make it must see. And right now you're not making it must see for me, and you're not making it must see for a lot of other people, a lot of other fans. I'm not the only one here. So. With because AEW, we have them to thank for this, for making subsequently because WWE had to make their product better. Now, yeah, I said before, I believe it shouldn't have to take another whole other entity, no, no other company, for you to be like, oh shit, now I got to make my product good. You should always strive for your product to be the best, regardless of there's competition or not. I'll give a, a great example here: the the Marvel movies, the MCU. Now, you could say DC is a bit of their competition, and DC is a bit of their competition right now. A little bit. But here's the thing. When DC was putting out those really shitty movies, those really, really bad movies, like Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, and then the original, and then the, 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 the first cut of the Justice League. Now, from what I understand, the Snyder cuts are a lot better, but I don't have time to watch a four hour movie, and I really don't want to watch the other, you know, Batman vs. Superman re- redo or whatever. My, and Suicide Squad. But while all of that is going on, Marvel is not being complacent with their movies. You know, you see Captain America, the Winter Soldier, Captain America, Civil War, Doctor Strange, Thor Ragnarok, Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame, you know? And with the shows, they're doing a great job. With WandaVision and Loki and What If just recently happening. My point is, is that Marvel are not getting complacent and even with newer movies, like, like Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings, one of my favorite all-time Marvel movies right now, and then my top ten. My point is, 
this is a company that, you know, they're starting to do well. They see that they're still doing well and they're still putting out great movies. Now, is everything a hit? Not everything. I will say, I mean, like Captain Marvel, in my opinion, is the worst, worst Marvel movie of all time. I, I, I didn't connect with it. I didn't like it. But the thing is, it, some things they make mistakes on. But you learn from those mistakes and you move on and you do better. And Marvel has proven to do that. WWE, in recent memory, have not really shown me as a fan that they care or that they want to care or that they just, you know, they just, I, I don't know. They, they, they just don't seem it in recent, in recent memory. It's only taken AEW to, to really, really hit home and to do really well with these live crowd attendees, attendance records, attendance shows, whatever I'm fucking saying. You know, you, you get what I mean. They, they are the reason that WWE is actually starting to step their game up a little bit. You know? Could AEW be the reason as to why Crown Jewel was such a, you know, it wasn't a shit show? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. Back of the matter is, I want, I want both companies to succeed because it just means there's more places for guys and girls to work these days. And it just means that we all as wrestling fans can pick and choose what we want to see and you know we can watch WWE we can watch New Japan we can watch Impact we can watch AEW there's a lot we can do with pro wrestling but real quickly i want to go back to AEW in the sense i mentioned briefly before i mentioned about him MJF said that Roman Reigns lost in the key demographics Ruby Soho and Ruby Soho sucks this was a pretty interesting bit of news that came out this week, and I want to talk about, touch upon it a bit. So here's an article I have, Wrestling Inc. It says, on a recent episode of Wrestling with Brandon F. Walker, that's Barstool Sports Wrestling Podcast, AW star MJF came out and noted that there has been a lot of chatter back and forth between AEW talent and WWE talent. The biggest headlines were Roman Reigns, who dismissed the AEW as real competition to WWE, MJF addressed Reigns, commenting on wrestling. Roman Reigns lost in the key demographic to Ruby Soho, and Ruby Soho sucks. So I don't know what to do, what to tell you. MJF pointed out. Now, don't get me wrong; that's not me shitting on Roman Reigns. I think Roman Reigns is a hell of a performer. He really is. I think he's absolutely incredible. I'm better than him on the mic. A- am I better than him on the mic and in the ring? Yes, but I'm not going to go out of my way. And talk shit about him because I respect him. I respect what he does. I respect the hard work that goes into putting out the product that is WWE. And again, someday I might work there. I'm also sure if he sees this, he'll pretend he doesn't know who I am because that's what they do over there. When in reality, I know that they're all watching our stuff. And again, I cannot stress this enough. Huge fan of Roman Reigns. I think think he's great. Would love to work with him one day. Um, the article goes on and says MJF and the Pinnacle are currently in a feud with Darby Allen and Sting. MJF compares uh, his pro wrestling to Sting style to our, uh, to Allen's. Uh, he says, I do, a f- I do it fair and square. I try to keep the match inside the ring, MJF says. Uh, I try to, d- to make sure that I'm not flying around. That is not going to benefit me or the spot. I'm grappling. I'm doing holds. I'm doing real moves such as arm drags, hip tosses, body slams. Not acai moonsaults or whatever the hell Excalibur screams. Tope kiss colano. I don't know. I'm never going to be doing a suicida because to me, that's not pro wrestling. And I do 
And it does irk me that Darby Allen gets put over so much by pro wrestling fans. I'm not jealous of Darby Allen. I think Darby Allen, again, great athlete, not the greatest wrestler. And I didn't, and I did think it was funny that he said I could, br- I couldn't break him mentally. That's all I'll say. So let's first let's talk about this whole Roman Reigns thing and, and MJF. He's teasing that he would go to WWE one day because let's be honest, Roman Reigns is not coming to. T- to AEW. Brian Alvarez has, you know, reported and said that Reigns is a loyalist. He is a WWE loyalist. He's a WWE guy through and through. And, you know, he he goes to bat for the company. He is their guy. He is not somebody who is going to um who's just gonna turn, you know, he's gonna, you know, take his ball and go home or go for the competition. He is a guy who will stick with WWE, and he should because he's the best thing about the company, and he's the top dog, the big, the one of the big dog, but the the head of the table, so to speak. <laughs> um, it would be cool to see this, but he's teasing hard. MJF is teasing hard, and I like that. I've been liking this whole. AWWE shooting on each other recently, you know, because Roman took some shots at CM Punk, and CM Punk fired right back. It's fun as a wrestling fan to see this kind of shit. It's a lot of fun. And him talking about Darby Allen, you know, um, MJF to me, I mean, it's no, it's it's not a secret when he says, or, or bullshit, I should say, when he says that he's the fastest rising star in all professional wrestling, because he is. I think you get a few more big wins under his belt. And he is in line. And get him some more wins. He is in line for an AEW World Title match. I st- I've been saying it for God knows how long. For all you guys have been listening for so long that Hangman Page will win from Kenny win the title from Kenny Omega, and MJF will beat Hangman Page. I guarantee it. There is another thing from that interview that I did want to touch upon, and it's something that's kind of been slowly burning, slowly burning. I want to say maybe just a tad bit since the start of last year. So if you remember, MJF was shooting with John Moxley for the AEW World Title. If you remember that episode where the end of Dynamite, where MJF and Wardlow beat down uh, John Moxley, and MJF is holding the World Title over his head. If you recall from that moment, when MJF is trying to get up Moxley, Wardlow is holding the AEW World Title, and he stares at it briefly. Then he gives it to Max, I believe. Now we're seeing this thing where MGF is mad at Wardlow because he wasn't there to make sure he won against Chris Jericho. And when the whole little feud with Brian Pillman was going on, you know, he's talking shit to him. And when Pillman was starting to beat up on MJF, Wardlow didn't go to him right away. There's been some tension building between Wardlow and MJF. Even this interview, I was actually watching this interview a little bit today, and he was talking about the Pinnacle and, and singing their praises and saying, "Oh, you're FTR, you know they're the." Uh, I think I believe he said uh, FTR, you know they're now the Ah 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 Tag Team Champions, <laughs> which I loved. Um, that's the other thing, FTR, the AAA Tag Team Champions, which we're most likely going to be getting FTR versus Lucha Bros at Full Gear. No problem about that. Love it. I'm excited to see that. Um, you know, saying Sean Spears, the the chairman, a Canadian god. And then he went just Wardlow, and he goes, oh, Wardlow, you know, he's there too, whatever. So I think a split between Wardlow and MJF is inevitable. At some point, they're going to split. He, Wardlow's going to split from the pinnacle. He's going to split from MJF. 
I think the split is coming sooner than we think. I think that Wardlow is going to be splitting from NJF. But, but, um, I think he's going to be splitting from MJF sometime next year. I say as early as, like, I say by double or nothing, MJF and Wardlow will be split up. And possibly we could be seeing uh, MJF versus Wardlow at double or nothing. Um, it would really, it would work really well. If if that does happen and kind of give Wardlow start of a babyface run for him, and then we just see MJF capture the title that way, because he could still cheat to beat Hangman Page. He still has the pinnacle. He still has Spears and uh, you know FTR. But I would love it if MJF just beat Hangman on his own, but still cheated. Obviously, MJF's got to cheat. He's a, he's he's a, he's a bad guy. He's a heel. So. I think by next year we'll see Wardlow versus MJF at double or nothing, and the split will happen. I I think it would mean a lot more if MJF could beat Hangman Page without Wardlow's help, and he kind of just cheats on his own, just to kind of put another notch on the belt, you know? And then maybe we'll eventually get an MJF versus Wardlow match for the world title. And maybe Wardlow will be the next guy to challenge MJF as the world champion. Who Who knows? Who knows at that point? Or, or Sammy Guevara or Darby Allen? We don't know yet. But uh, that's what I believe is going to happen. Because AEW knows what they're doing. They do very subtle little things here and there. Like, I was listening to Adam Cole on the, the AEW Restricted Podcast today. And, you know, he was saying how people online were mentioning, you know, when he made his AEW debut, that... He was where you know he came out the heel tunnel and he was wearing Jordans just like the Bucks and like you know some people were catching on to that. I remember like you know he was I'm like when I was excited for for Cole to come out I was like wait he did he just come out the heel tunnel yeah he came out the heel tunnel so it's not all that surprising but that's something they do really well is that they they do the storytelling they put these little things here and there to make you think like oh what was that thing oh oh oh, oh, oh. just just for future storytelling to plant seeds for matches, to just make our brains go, oh, I want to see that match so badly. You know, just just to do something with those with those uh, with those stories. And I think this Wardlow MJF story has been building since last year during the John Moxley feud. The seeds were planted at the very least. The seeds were planted for a Wardlow MJF match and I'm telling you I'm putting if I was a betting man I would bet money that Wardlow versus MJF happens at next year's double or nothing hopefully maybe I'll be able to see it depending where they go Will they go to Vegas or Florida? Who, who, who knows who knows at this point um anyway I think that will do it for me here for this episode of the Not the Wrestling Podcast tonight guys thank you all so much for listening to this episode please be sure to be uh, leaving us a five star review on your favorite podcast app whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, whatever that might be, please be sure to leave a five-star review and leave a rating. And it, it helps us out here in the podcast very so much. Uh, you can be uh, following us here on Twitter at TNAWP. You can follow me at CJ underscore 1214. You can follow us on Instagram at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. And you can also follow us on Twitter, uh, sorry, on Instagram. You follow me on Instagram, I should say. Jesus Christ Almighty. Uh, me on Instagram, at CJ underscore 1293, if you'd like to do that. 
Thank you very much. And if you like my little Marvel rant before, um, you can go listen to the Fan Speculation Podcast where me and my co-host, Vinny Carini, uh, talk about all things Marvel and uh, and pop culture and Star Wars and all that fun stuff. We just did released an episode yesterday. We talked about all the latest Spider-Man No Way Home news up until that point. Um, you know, the Marvel, some of the Marvel movies being delayed and so, so much more. Thank you guys all so much for listening to this episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. I have been CJ Palmasano and we'll see you next time.